On this episode of the pod, we discuss the next episode of Westworld, Kiksuya, the Ghost Nation Speaks, and it was well worth the wait. Who is Akechita, and what does he mean for the future of Westworld? Tune in as we pour it all over. Hey friends, welcome to the Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Dill, and Joe. Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very thing so many of us depend on each morning, coffee. So what's up, man? How's it going? Yo, what up, though? Um, yeah. It's going good, man. Just, you know, chilling, enjoying, um, you know, the first day back for school for, like, our mm. kids. Um, so just relaxing, Get got off work, um, you know, had a beer, made dinner. Just straight chilling, man. Nice, what about you? Nice. Um, yeah, similar. I mean, I Monday's my pretty chill day because we were recording on a Monday this time around. Mm-hmm. So I uh, woke up late. I mean, that wasn't necessarily the plan, but it happens basically every Monday. It's a beautiful um, thing. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're trying to be productive, whatever, but it, it, it doesn't work out like that. Um, so yeah, just chilling. It's a, uh, it's good. It's good. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, today special for you by you know by any chance? Oh yes, that's right. Uh, it is Chinese New Year. Well, I should what? say Lunar New Year. Oh, true, true. Yeah, Lunar true. New gotta Year. Keep it, gotta it's keep not it just correct. For Chinese people, you know what I'm saying? Right. Shout yeah, out yeah. to my Vietnamese, I, Korean. Mm-hmm. My yeah, Vietnamese, yeah. It's, Korean, it's, Cambodian it's brothers, Asian, sisters. Asian people in general, uh, anyone that really uses the lunar calendar. But yeah, Lunar New Year, so happy year of the pig. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so... We, oink, we, oink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so right, right before we started recording this, I had, I had dinner with the family. Uh, my mom was telling me, apparently it's a thing, at least um, in, in Chinese culture, I assume it's similar in other Asian cultures too, uh, where, you know, the New Year dinner is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, she's telling me that no matter how busy you are, no matter what you're doing, you got to make it home for dinner. And like everyone's together kind of thing. Uh, for us, I mean, uh, it's just me and my parents. So there's not a ton of us and we'd be eating dinner together anyways on a Monday. So for me, mm-hmm. it's just like another Monday. But um, there's, I mean, there, there's cultural significance there. Yeah, we. Sure. Uh, w- one of my mom's friends kind of started this home business kind of thing where she... Um, I guess it's like catering where you can basically, she has a menu and you can order from her and she'll make um, special foods and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, Basically stuff that you would probably get at a restaurant or something, but you most likely don't know how to make it yourself um, unless Mm -hmm. you do. But my family does not. So today we ordered some some special stuff from her um, and, and went and picked it up for dinner. Um, Yeah, I think some of the things we had were like, yeah, um, I think it's called this in in English. I'm not 100 percent sure. Is, is it like, is it the like five cup duck or something like the five oh. different flavors? You know, they usually do it with chicken. I think. Okay. Um, but I think uh, that's like her specialty, where she does it with duck. There's a Taiwanese dish that. Oh yeah. That's uh, it's called um, sambeji, which mm-hmm. translates to three cup chicken. Yeah, I but think that's it's probably like that. a different dish. Or or my uh, Chinese translating skills just aren't good. It, it's five something oh, duck, and so okay. I just assumed it was similar. Ooh. Is it but, like five spice duck or five flavor? Yeah, duck? yeah. I, I think that's what like, it actually is. Wuxiang, is that a separate wuxiang? thing? 
Uh, I mean, there's a five spice powder, so uh-huh. that that might be what it's referring to. But mm. it's a very common spice blend that um, people use in Chinese cuisine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I mean, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Apparently, her specialties. I, I don't ask questions. I just kind of eat. So. Sure. Um, yeah, we had that. We had this. Um, we had like a pork belly kind of dish as Ooh. well. And then um, I guess sticky rice uh, mm-hmm. with cured meats. And in English, it doesn't sound as good, but in Cantonese, <laughs> it's like lo mai fan. Okay. Um, so, you know, had like the lap chung oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. You know, the different kind of meats no in meat there. Fan. So, there's a lot of ton of flavor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are some of the highlights and some vegetable stuff. Uh, my, my mom actually doesn't eat meat, so she can't eat, oh. she can't eat anything I just said. But <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good though. Um, you know, little, it was a little special, a little different instead of just, you know, my dad cooking or something. Yeah. Nice. I think we had, um, someone back in Houston that would make a very specific, um, dish that we would always go out and order from her. In Chinese, it's called liang pi, and in English, it's like literally translates to like a cold, like skin or like cold <laughs> noodle. <laughs> um, it's like a noodle, like a skin noodle, I guess. Okay. Well, that sounds even worse. Uh, but <laughs> it's basically like a really chewy um, and springy, like uh, like a mung bean noodle. Okay, and it's usually served cold with like like chili oil. Like a sweet soy sauce, yeah. uh, some sesame paste, uh, with um, I don't know if you've ever had like gluten before, like just regular. It's not like well, it's called gluten, I guess, but in Chinese, I think it's something else. Uh, mm. But it's like super chewy. Like sometimes you you eat it with like congee and stuff. Okay. Um, but they slice it up and put it in there too. So yeah, it's a vegetarian dish, but it's like really good the way she makes it's like very authentic Mm, nice nice yeah you you do anything for lunar new year out there in ohio i did not in uh typical ohio midwestern culture (laughs) they do not celebrate lunar new year so i yeah you know it's it's weird doesn't make sense to me but you know i just stayed home i just actually my friend just called me he asked me like oh did you did you tell your mom you happy new year did she call you Do you eat anything for Happy New Year? I'm like, bro, I'm not home in Houston, man. Like, you're telling me all these things. I can't have it. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, like, we would usually, kind of like you, have dinner at home um, to celebrate, for sure. It's always Mm -hmm. over food. Mm -hmm. Which reminds me, just like quick tangent, um, I felt like when I was growing up and we were having dinner, like, my mom would put a lot of effort into cooking obviously that's kind of how she shows her love to us like how mm-hmm. she cares for us and um and i'm just cringing like now that i think about it i used to like not eat at home to go eat out with my friends mm. so like now that i'm thinking back on it and how much i love like home cooking and like chinese food in general i feel really bad because like that was kind of her gift to us and like we kind of saw it as kind of a kind of just a mundane thing but really i think when it comes to food like parents like really you know that's that's the way they share share that you know they care for Mm -hmm. you and like that's their expression of love 
Sure. I uh, I have a or we we have a family friend who where where the mom she's like she's a killer cook. She's like she's so good at, mm-hmm. at cooking. It, it's amazing. Um, but then her her daughter who's younger, you know, closer to my age, she just very like is pretty nonchalant about it. You know, but because she's been eating it her whole life, right? Right, right. So she, like, doesn't seem excited, you know. We we go over there as a family to eat, and we're always like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is a feast up in here. And she's kind of like, eh. Um, So (laughs) it's one of those, like, you you, you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of thing. Or, like, you just kind of get used to it. You take it for granted. Yeah, because during during dinner, uh, my mom, we were seeing, like, what one of our family members... They they basically don't really eat at home ever. Uh, they basically just eat out all the time, and that's mm. just kind of it's like their preference. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so but I think there's some, especially for like our parents or even older, especially like grandparents, kind of they feel like there's this tie to the culture in the food, right? And then a lot of younger people, I mean me especially, like don't know how to make the authentic kind of traditional food that my family's been eating for like generations so it's kind of like being lost in that sense Mm. yeah Hmm. yeah that's interesting i feel like um man i could go all day i could talk more about that for sure oh yeah but you know we we got we got stuff we got some other things on the docket to talk about Uh, Mm -hmm. we'll just put on the list our third podcast we'll be talking about um lunar new year and all the culture (laughs) and food in there culture x Um, food Yes, but you know, I'm talking, trying to bring it back to coffee a little bit. Um, how how's your coffee experiences been this week? How your brews, or have you gone to coffee shops or anything like that? Yeah, so uh, I recently went to Cincinnati. I I probably go there every week or so, mm. and I went to a coffee shop in Northside, which is like it says north of Cincinnati, like downtown proper. Mm. And the store is called Collective Espresso. And shout outs to Johannes uh, up in there. You know, he's he's working the coffee bar. Mm. Uh, they make the best espresso drinks, uh, hey. the best. Um, and I got a cappuccino there, like I usually do um, wherever I go. And it was smooth. It was sweet. Mm. It was kind of like nutty. I shared with him that the the flavor note that comes out to me is like peanut butter. Yeah. Um, Because of, I guess, the sweetness and also how smooth and like creamy it was. Um, Because sometimes you get like cappuccinos and you can still taste through the, you know, the froth milk and get Mm -hmm. to like that really astringent espresso. Mm -hmm. But the way that he made this one, man, it just like all blended together. It was like, it was like Hagen Dazs coffee ice cream melted. It was nice. Mm, sounds good. Um, that 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 relates to my coffee experiences this week too. Okay. Where I'm um, in thinking back, I actually went to quite a few coffee shops this past week. Same um, here. Yeah, but one of them, I I went to a local. Well, yeah, local shop. Uh, it's called Hound's Tooth. Mm-hmm. Originally is from Austin, but you know they they also have shops up here. And one of my favorite espresso drinks to get is the Cortado. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, is a fifty percent espresso, fifty percent um, kind of steamed milk, 
and uh, I ordered it there, and it's it's a little closer to the city, the you know like Dallas proper, so it costs a little bit more than I'm used mm-hmm. to paying. And so I was kind of like, oh man, that's so expensive. Um, but then, then I ordered it anyways. You know, I was there. I was gonna do some work. I wanted some good coffee. Then I got it and I drank it, and man, it was the best cortado I've ever had. Ooh! I I like took a sip. I, I like did like a double take. I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's so smooth, uh, so creamy and rich Nice. and yeah, there, there's no like acid, you know, it wasn't, wasn't too acidic or anything like that coming through. Like the milk just really mixed well with the espresso mm-hmm. and it was great. Um, Man. I, I was, I was drinking it and you know, they give it to you. It's, it's not that much volume, which is good. I mean, I mean, it's, there's still a shot in there. Um, but I was like, I could drink this all day. Like, <laughs> like you give this to me in like a big mug, I would just keep drinking it, <laughs> and then I, I, I would wreck myself with caffeine. Right. But yeah, it was so good. So yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we gotta do like a little swap sometime. Go head out to Cincinnati, check out that espresso. Yes, sir. Uh, and you can come come try that at Hound's Tooth. Yeah. Did yeah. you snap a pic of the cortado? No, I mean it wasn't very attractive in okay. terms of aesthetics. Sure, it was just sure. kind of like in in a glass cup kind of thing. But I, I probably should have just so I could have commemorated the moment. But I didn't know <laughs> when I first got it. You know, I was just like, true man, I paid a lot for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is good. I would happily get it again next time. Nice. But probably not not too often because I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting, though, because yeah, I think I texted you about it, because when, uh, at least at that shop, when I was ordering it, they gave me a couple different options for what beans I wanted for the espresso. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, so they had, like, an espresso blend, I guess, that they just use generally. Um, mm-hmm. Then they had a single origin from Colombia, and I chose the Colombian bean. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting, because I think, that's the first time I've ever been asked at the yeah. espresso bar, like, oh, which which bean do you want? I feel like they usually just kind of rotate and choose yeah, and just have one on hand. Sure. So, yeah, I, I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. I don't know if you've experienced that before. Well, at Collective, they have um, a uh, guest espresso. It's on their menu. It's a dollar more than their regular espresso. And I think if you get an espresso drink, they'll just tack on a dollar to your total mm. price. But uh, the guest espresso is like a rotating specialty bean mm. that they'll use for espresso. Um, and uh, Johannes told me that their current espresso is, uh, well, actually, no, I'll take that back. The, the new guest espresso is going to become the, like, the OG espresso. Oh. And so I don't know if the current espresso was a guest espresso Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think it's interesting how coffee shops are now giving people options for their espresso bean. Um, yeah. it totally makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with pour overs, I'm pretty like, I'm used to them having a couple different options. And I'm um, like, I've said before, I, I've just recently started ordering more espresso drinks. So maybe this is a little more common than, I'm used to, but the couple of shops I've been to is usually I just order it and they just kind of use whatever bean that they're using at that time. Sure. Uh, maybe that's why it costs more, although it didn't mm. say that oh, true. anywhere on the menu. 
but yeah, it was it was like over a dollar more than a cortado that I got somewhere else. Ooh. So like yeah. when you're saying like they add a dollar to it, like maybe, maybe and they just like didn't say it. I'm I'm not really sure. Unless it was on there in the fine print and I just didn't look, but you know whatever, <laughs> it was fine. It, it is a great drink, so I, I'm not gonna complain. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, as long as you felt like your money was worth it. Well, uh, just real quick, personal brews, they've been good, bad, man? Uh, pretty good. I, I, I oh, mentioned nice. it, I think, a couple episodes ago, maybe, um, where I got a metal filter for my V60. Or, well, it's oh, just yeah. a general pour-over metal filter. And I, I'm trying to use it as often as I can, except for, like, mornings when I rush, just because it takes more to clean, like I've said. But just being able to add some of the oils, like, or maintain some of the oils from the coffee and like a little bit of silt gets through. Mm-hmm. I feel like that has made the brews just taste a lot more full and just kind of like well-rounded. And yeah, I've, I've body. Been, yeah, yeah. So I, I've been really enjoying it. Um, and I, I've gotten used to the cleanup process. I kind of kind of got this extra like sieve kind of deal. Nice. It, it is a lot more effort though because occasionally I, I, I still use paper filters because I have them and it's just so much easier. Oh, yeah, interesting. But it's good. Um, I I enjoy it. Yeah. How how have your personal brews been? Uh, any updates on your grinder situation Ooh. as well? Yeah, about that. Um, I broke it again. <laughs> I, I got uh, <laughs> I went Hulk mode again. I just uh, you know, just I hate glass. It's just like breaking everything. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I bought. I have a, I got so desperate, I got an, an old mason jar that I have in my fridge that contains jam, oh. and I threw away the jam, cleaned it out, and mm. used it as my coffee carafe for the yeah. beans. Um, but I broke that one too. So <laughs> I I went to the Ace Hardware store, and I went asked them, hey, yo, where's the uh, canning section? I'm looking for some some cans. So I go back there. I get the the ball, you know, mason jars. I bought a 12-pack, so (laughs) I'm prepared. I'm prepared for (laughs) any future (laughs) breaks. But uh, I'm going to just try to be more careful. That's that's funny that you bought that many, just in (laughs) case. Well, they don't sell them in, like, you know, ones or twos. You know, they're, like, a huge... Because people don't use them like I do. <laughs> uh, that's true. Like, they're not supposed to be, like, reusable coffee bean canisters. They're supposed to be, like, pickling and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Man, well, hopefully you won't have any more incidents. Um, I mean, at least Knock the grinder wood. part is still fine, you know? Yeah, hopefully. true. But uh, okay. how have the brews been otherwise, other than the oh. grinder? Uh, brews have been good. Um, the beans that I've been drinking are beans from like two months ago. Mm. Uh, you know, back when we had our, um, or maybe about a month and a half ago, back when we had our pod in the Mac studio, I still have the Kona, yeah. which I've been drinking. And I think that bean actually was very good, uh, mm. when, when it was fresh, but now it's not as good. It tastes mm. kind of stale. And, um, just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of, of African beans. Mm. So, you know, with the Kona, with it getting kind of old and also being a very 
chocolatey bean. To me, it, it doesn't age well. Um, mm. So, you know, it doesn't have that tang, you know, that I feel like sometimes covers mm. up some of the, I don't know, oldness of a bean. So it just tastes musty, like musky, mm. I guess. Um, but I think my technique has been all right. So I'm just trying to squeeze as much life as I can out of these last few jars of beans. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. I'm I'm still drinking that White Rock uh, House Blend actually too. That's what I had today. Oh. Um, I I think I might after tomorrow, and I might be the last one. But yeah, so I'm I'm still drinking some of the old beans too. So I feel you. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah we uh yeah we on the old bean juice, but yeah, dude. Still getting us through the day. Yep, yep. I mean, you can't can't put any of it to waste. Uh, well, uh, unless it's bad. Unless then. it's the beans and brew, or <laughs> is it beans and brew? Yes, it is. That that might have been what was I, what I was thinking about, but it, it's it's fine. Um, <laughs> you can cut okay. that out. Yeah, I still have the whole thing, and I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with this. Um, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so we'll see. It's taking up space in my fellow Atmos. Hey, there you yeah. go, man. Space so, is a premium. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Well, let's get into this episode before mm-hmm. we, you know, start a soul coffee podcast. Um, all right. So uh, this episode is called Kiksuya, and I believe that's Lakota for remember. I'm just doing some very brief research. And here's a quick summary of the episode. The Ghost Nation captures an injured William and brings him back to camp where they are holding Maeve's daughter and other hosts and humans. Akechita recognizes Maeve's daughter and realizes that she vaguely remembers him. Akechita shares the story of Westworld through his eyes to the eagerly listening daughter. Akechita's life in Westworld began in the outskirts, where he lived peacefully with his tribe and his wife. One day, he wanders into the town of Escalante, where Dolores just killed Arnold. Discovering Arnold's maze... Akechita becomes woke and begins to see the world with new eyes. Akechita is reprogrammed by technicians and becomes a bloodthirsty warrior, but he still retains some of the uh, some of his sentience. He comes upon a delirious Logan who shares of a world beyond Westworld. Akechita makes it his mission to recover his wife and bring her to the valley beyond. However, she is abducted by technicians and is put into cold storage. Then, Akechita vows to spread the message of Arnold's maze to all the other hosts and eventually lead his people out of Westworld. Ford learns of Akechita's sentience and prepares him for what Dolores, the Deathbringer, will do. Just as Akechita finishes his story, Emily shows up to the camp and persuades the Ghost Nation to allow her to take her father. Elsewhere in Westworld, Lee hovers over a severely injured Maeve, who appears conscious yet does not utter a word. Charlotte and Lee discover that Maeve has the ability to rewrite other hosts remotely through her mesh network. It is revealed that Maeve is communicating with Akechita. He promises to protect her daughter, and he says to them if she remains alive, uh, it says to, says to find them if she remains alive. As she is lying there, Maeve finally says, take my heart when you go. Kind of botched it a little bit, but man, um... I really liked this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really different. 
Um, and for me, kind of unexpected. Mm. Um, cause well, why do you say that? Yeah. Last week we were kind of talking like, you know, I feel like the whole season is, is starting to build really and getting like the pace is getting faster. Intensity is increasing, you know, mm-hmm. as Dolores is, is, you know, getting closer to her goal and like, um, QA is starting to rebound and just kind of uh, every the pieces are coming together kind of for like the final conflict whatever that sure. is and yeah but now this was like a whole swerve in another direction um, mm-hmm. yeah because last episode was super fast paced like we were saying and then this kind of takes a step back and at first I was like oh no like another filler episode you know right, right. yeah shows do that they do, they give you backstories or like kind of flashback kind of stuff and just kind of becomes a filler like it's not great you know it's just kind of a thing but i i really i really enjoyed this episode and just giving that unique look into the ghost nation mm-hmm. and getting that background on akechita i think um it because the the issue i have with filler episodes is like i feel like they don't really move the story forward in any way True. But right. this one, I mean, it gives you a lot of insight that actually gives oh, you a lot yeah. of background info that actually right. helps with the overall story, um, at least giving you some more perspective. So, you know, I, I like the way they did it in, in that regard, but also just mm-hmm. being able to have a whole episode dedicated to the Ghost Nation. I, I think that was right. really cool um, that they chose to do that. So, yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, man, I would definitely agree that this was a a very welcomed filler episode Mm -hmm. that we were able to finally see from the eyes of the, the, the quote unquote native people, like the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the characters that have been around Westworld yet have never really been given a voice. Like we finally get to hear from them. And I, I really, yeah, just enjoyed Akechita's story arc. And like you said, um, it didn't feel like a waste of time because you know, with Westworld being a show that's not really linear, um, you have mm-hmm. characters in Westworld that clearly know more than what they're letting on and also know more than you know. Mm-hmm. And so whenever they give you a snapshot of that character or a slice of that character, you learn more about Westworld and it moves the story forward. Um, you know, because Akechita knew what the Valley Beyond was. And we finally got to see what it actually looked like, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think we had, you know, some distance pics of, like, you know, the, the cranes and stuff working at it. But we actually saw it in the little valley. It's like a weird, like, kind of like, I don't know, ancient tower structure. Like, mm-hmm. many little spindles, right? It was, like, mm-hmm. really interesting looking. Um. But yeah, we just, I feel like we learned so much from my catch of the story and then it was fun. It was like really, it was like really kind of captivating and emotional uh, in many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It just, again, I think Westworld showing off their storytelling chops, you know? Yeah. I think it was just done super well. And like you said, it was emotional. I got invested pretty quick. I mean, after the first couple of scenes, I was like, uh, but then, then, then they got me, you know, mm-hmm. um, really showing even the progression, like not, not just their own story, but the impacts of what the park was, what, what they were trying to decide, what, what Delos was doing, essentially right. the impact that that had 
on them. So I think it it started out really humanizing um, the Ghost Nation mm-hmm. in some ways, and because you know he he goes way back to b- before he was you know like the savage version of himself with all the paint and like this killer murderer guy where he's just with his family, right? And it just him really looking back on that time with nostalgia and really a lot of affection. Mm-hmm. And those, I mean, those are just, those are all things that are, are just human essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the actor and the writing like just did it really well to draw us in. I think invest really heavily. Yeah. Um, Cause I think even while watching it now that I think about it, I like, I forgot that he was a host and, and you know, for, oh, for yeah, portions, portions of it, you know, it's just, I mean, I knew it. It's not that I actually forgot, but I was so wrapped up in his story that it didn't really matter. Yeah. Which maybe that was part of the point too. Dude. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know if you thought this, but I was even wondering too, like maybe a catch that is not a host hmm. and, um, like Ford built this park on, like a native land. Oh. And these are just like people hmm. who are in this world. Um, you know, and that would kind of explain why Maeve couldn't control them. But at the same hmm. time, we do remember clips where they were frozen and uh, they were kind of manipulated. Like I think in the beginning where you see a catch in Angela and he, she's demonstrating the hosts of Westworld and a catch as one of those hosts. Mm-hmm. But man, I think it would have been crazy if like they actually weren't hosts Wow. And that they were just, you know, but anyways, um, going back to a catch that we learn a lot about him. Um, what did you think about, or what do you think about his, like, um, what do you think about his history or his age in Westworld? Like, do you feel like he's mm-hmm. one of the oldest hosts? Cause I remember they talked about his update being like mm-hmm. alpha two. Yeah. Um, like, what did you think about that? Yeah, that that was really interesting to me because I think through like a season and a half now we've they they built Westworld in a certain way. They presented it to us in a certain way, I think, so that we feel like these are kind of the rules in some ways. Like this is how we are supposed to engage and understand with the park, where mm-hmm. like there's these you know there, there's people in Sweetwater and then there's like good guys, bad guys, like kind of thing. But then, like, right. what you were saying before is, like, Ghost Nation, they're just kind of in the background. They're just kind of, like, there sometimes, but we don't know a lot about them. Mm-hmm. And I thought is 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 cool that we are able to see even, like, a glimpse, like, what Akechita first remembers with him just being with his tribe, just him being with his family. Right. I guess that was, like, that was before Westworld opened to the public. Mm-hmm. And they were just living their lives, and, I, I mean... From the Delos perspective, or whoever, you know, Ford's perspective, they were just kind of testing out and still trying to figure out how to make the host and all that stuff. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting because then they provided this, this separate background story arc that goes probably the furthest back that we've seen, except for maybe when um, Arnold makes Dolores for like the first time and she just has her face, but not her body is not covered. Right. Um, but it's probably around the same time that yeah. we're learning about Akechita. Yeah. Cause they do say Dolores is the oldest host in the park. So mm. she, she does like predate them, I guess in some ways, but they're probably in a similar 
um, generation, or however they would classify that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was, it was just really interesting just to see it from a new, completely new perspective, the same park that we've been seeing for like a season and a half. Um, I feel like there were some like, like writing holes, I guess you said like plot holes or Ooh, something. Okay. Um, at least in my opinion, or like unanswered questions, maybe that I just kind of yeah. have to let go. Cause you, you mentioned yeah. the whole like alpha two thing, like when, you know, Ketchita goes on his whole like search for, for his wife. Right. And journey he, to the underworld. Yeah. And he like keeps himself alive because he's afraid that if he dies, they'll wipe his memory, right? So he yeah, just that never was dies. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the the texts and stuff. They're like, "What the heck?" You know, like he he's just been out there for almost ten years. Yeah, and I was just like, like "How would they not yeah. know?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I was just I was kind of confused. I I just let it go. It wasn't a big deal, but I was like, so. I, like one, don't they just know? Like, aren't they just observing and watching everyone all the time? You know. Right. And then, like, I'm just wondering how the loops kind of factor into it because mm. the hosts they they reset their loops like if not every day, then at least on some regular schedule as new people right. come in. Sure. But then Akecha does is out here doing his own thing all the time. Right, right, um, true. So I was like, uh, a little bit unexplained, but I mean, it made the story more compelling like the reality of it mm-hmm. but i just kind of like uh okay and then they don't really explain his ability to remember all, all of the stuff that he's mm-hmm. starting to kind of figure out as he sees right. like the maze toy for the first time and all of that like there's just uh some some things a little left unexplained but for the sake of the story not that important but I, I guess I, I, I kind of picked up on them a little bit. No, you're, um, you're, you're right. I think it does, it does lead to more questions, and it, and it leaves room for Westworld to be like, well, actually, you know, the, mm. the Ghost Nation do not have loops. And, like, mm. actually, because they're uncivilized, we did not want to monitor them or something. You know, like, I don't mm. know, you know, what kind of, like, you know, explanation they'll offer to that but but yeah like yeah when when that stuff happened it was i was kind of like okay like that's very convenient of you to <laughs> propel the story that way and then yeah. when he just like kind of woke up like he just has that ability to wake up from his stasis or whatever when they're mm-hmm. working on him I'm like man this dude's like this dude's like mave like yeah pre-mave yeah, yeah that, that's another thing that i that that's when you start to get some more background like because, you know, Maeve's whole whole deal with her daughter and how, you know, Man in Black and also Ghost Nation are basically enemies, right? Because they mm-hmm. come and, like, kidnap her daughter and, like, kill them, all that stuff. But right. it totally reframes that whole narrative. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Akechita is actually looking out for them. Mm-hmm. And so that whole thing where he... He says something along the lines like, you know, he wanted to warn them, you know, something about the maze or something, basically. And so I was just like, is Maeve the way she is because of what he did? You know, he mm. he drew the maze in, in front of their house for them. And that was the first time she saw it. And then, right. like, is that what activates this, like, sentience or, like, this ability to the, remember? The visual. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... 
it's just kind of like all this extra info that we I I never even really considered, right? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I had wondered, you know, for a long time, it's like, uh, you know, Maeve pretty powerful, um, like kind of explained, kind of not explained, but you know, so like, did like should we attribute Maeve as we know her, like to Akechita? And maybe I'll hmm. probably maybe say yes, because um, I think he yeah he was right. like the first one to to be woke, you know he. He started sharing it with all the people, and then he said people started waking up as well, or the host started waking up. Right. Um, Would it be more disappointing for you if it was just a visual? Like, oh, it's just like, you just see that symbol, and then you're good? Because, like, that's what happened to Ketchita, right? He just saw the symbol. Or maybe he saw it was that in combination with, like, what the hell's going on? Why why is Mm -hmm. everyone dead? Yeah, I don't know, because a lot of people, have, a lot of the hosts have seen the symbol, because it's just kind of around. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think also, I'm I'm wondering the connection, like, because when the man in black scalps whoever the guy from the saloon, like in, in one of the first episodes, the, yeah. the maze is like etched onto his head, or like the inside of his scalp. And right, I'm just, right. I'm trying to like understand that connection like at first i was like oh so they see it and then it just gets ingrained in their head or what um i was kind of confused by that um was it like a tattoo or like yeah yeah, just the whole process of yeah like what significance does this maze kind of kind of play in in in, in, it's more season one kind of questions but yeah it's it's one of those I think I just haven't thought that much about because I'm like, I don't really, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, is this going to ruin the show for me kind of thing? Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I'm I'm trying to look up the, uh, the bicameral mind, that pyramid, mm-hmm. because I'm wondering if like, because I feel like with, with um, the, the, the host, they, they gain sentience, I think, when they start to discover they have their own like self-interests like whether that's like a romantic relationship a um a daughter relationship where they're trying to protect their daughter or you know i totally even forgot what it was for dolores but Mm. you know like maybe that's kind of what spurs them to become more sentient because with fourth pyramid thing it was like the bottom was memory and then improvisation and then self-interest and the one at the very top was kind of left blank i think but if that's where they're all trying to get to the step before that is like Mm self-interest so you know with akechita his drive is oh actually he shared his drive i forgot what it was uh, do you like, remember what his drive was keeping the honor of my family or or something like that Okay. Um, but then he said he changed it. Right, right, true. Which, that that was very interesting to me, because it seems like they've they painted these core um, drives as fairly permanent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess now, I mean, any, anything's up for grabs as, as the hosts right. kind of rebel, and be, as they become sentient, I mean, I guess that's, that's like a human thing where you can kind of change. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think originally he basically like his family, like maintaining his family was his core drive, and then he changed it to share the truth, 
or mm-hmm. something. The seek the truth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seek the truth and share it with all the other hosts. Um, mm. Well, because his I, maybe his concept of family had expanded because mm. when he visited the cold storage, he yeah. realized you know he had a really good quote. I forgot what it was. Oh, um, I wrote it down here. Is that was the moment I saw beyond beyond myself. My pain was selfish because it was never only mine. For everybody in this place, there was someone who mourned their loss, even if they didn't know why. We're all bound together, the living and the damned. So, yeah, I think maybe Akechita's concept of his tribe was expanded to everybody. Mm. And so then his drive also expanded to, you know, protecting everybody, seeking the truth so that everyone can be, like, quote-unquote, saved. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's go back to that Ford confrontation because that yeah. was really crazy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, what did you think about that? Um... I was like, man, Ford's not scared. Like he is he's just a boss. And he almost like when he was talking with the catcher, he was almost like basically like, Oh, um, like you finally show up. Like I've been watching you. So I don't he's just like and, and the way he was spoke the way he spoke was very cryptic and very mm-hmm. like prophetic. Yeah. So I don't know if you kinda got anything out of that. Yeah, it was it was an interesting setup to like the scene because you know Ketchita just kind of comes up and it, it, it at first it just kind of looks like a display because all the hosts are kind of frozen, mm-hmm. but then Ford is out there like cutting them up or like scalping them or something. He's right, right. It's, it's kind of like it, that, that's just kind of like a background thing. They don't really reference it or acknowledge it at all. I was like, is this yeah. what Ford does? He just kind of sits out mm. there in Westworld and, and scalps like, all the Yeah, you know, he, he, he instead of working in a lab, he just kind of does it on site or something. Uh, I'm not really, I'm not sure if it's explained at what point in time that like meeting was because, mm-hmm. you know, Ford, I, I interpreted it as Ford predicts his own death in, in that conversation. Cause, oh. Yeah, because he, he's talking to Ketchida and then he's like, you know, I want you to wait. You know, because he right. he's been watching him. Ford's been watching him, and he kind of knows what he's trying to do. He's like, just wait. Mm-hmm. When the Death Bringer um, comes for me, then you'll know yes. what to do. Right. And right. so I was just like, Ooh. either you know, well, that, that to me that's really the only way to predict it, but or interpret it. Either way, he he's alluding to you know what what we've just been calling as Ford's plan, and mm. so he's like. Yeah, so I'm not sure when that interaction happened. Yeah. But, you know, Ford, I, my, I, for me, I was like, oh, how long has he been planning this? How long mm. has he known that Dolores, or he's going to allow Dolores to kill him? Letting that be, like, the the event that triggers the rest. Man. Um. So it was, I, was, I was like, oh, snap. Like, this, yeah. This, yeah, he fairly early on already knew the route he wanted to take, I guess. Right. Um, unless yeah. that interaction was a lot later, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Man. Yeah. The way he delivered his plan just seemed so confident and mm-hmm. like assured, like this is exactly how it's going to play out. And in the way he shared it, didn't seem like he was on any particular side. It was just like, this yeah. is how it's going to be. Yeah. Like I'm not on Dolores' side. 
I'm not on your side per se. This is just what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. This is going back to season one. But remember when I said Ford might be a host? Yeah. I'm thinking that now too. Because mm-hmm. like I'm wondering if this is Ford's plan, but really is Arnold's plan. Ooh. Mm. And that Ford is like carrying out the rest of what Arnold is trying to do. Mm. But then again, you know, we saw Ford die and, you know, we saw, I don't know. Um, The the way he delivered the line was so like robotic and like kind of Mm. exacting that I was like, hmm, this is kind of weird. Yeah, um, it it was kind of weird, and then Akechita just kind of listens. I mean, F- Ford might have some special Ford sway over all the hosts. I'm, I'm sure he does, mm-hmm. uh, but he's just like, okay, um, yeah. And then he, I, I don't know if he calls Ford anything specifically because he references Dolores as the Deathbringer because he showed mm-hmm. up after she killed everybody, including right. Arnold, and he calls Arnold the Creator. Okay. And so I, I don't think hmm. he necessarily calls Ford anything, but I'm I'm curious to see how he how he understands Ford's role, I guess, because mm-hmm. um, I think that'd be kind of telling. Yeah. Where maybe, maybe he's also a creator. I, I don't know, but mm. yeah, I thought it was interesting that he he labeled the other characters that way. Right. Yeah, and if this is a huge narrative that Ford is kind of already mapped out, then he must have a label and Akechita must have a label. I mean, mm-hmm. they're big players in this story. So yeah, I wonder what Ford would call himself and I wonder who Akechita is to be. You know, is mm-hmm. he like, I don't know, the quote unquote messenger because he's sharing about, mm-hmm. you know, Arnold symbol. And is Ford like, I don't know. This is this is when it gets into like religion and like it mm-hmm. gets into like oh this is like comparisons to like Judeo Christian like you know or even like you know like um like Hinduism and stuff it's just mm. really interesting yeah when when I was taking my notes I just I just wrote you know quotes that Akechita is the is the maze evangelist because um, he's just <laughs> writing everywhere you know to to the point where his other family members were getting really annoyed with him <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah they like they banned him or like banished him yeah i think that was before they opened the park and reprogrammed him to be his savage version of himself um, right i i don't like I don't know if they're just all ghost nation or how they distinguish between, you know, Mm. like the peaceful Lakota people, um, versus the not peaceful, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm I'm not really sure. Cause there, there's obviously a divide within their own stories, you know, within their own community. Sure. But I've also, I'm like the, the, the ones that don't have the body paint. I don't, I don't know if they've shown up other than in like this episode, like most of the time mm, that true. we see at least interacting with non ghost nation people interact interacting with the guests is generally um the the ghost nation with the white body paint but mm-hmm. i mean maybe i just missed it cuz you know it wasn't as obvious but well i don't know man maybe that's the subconscious uh, colonialism that's uh mm-hmm. you know drilled into your mind cuz like i wonder like Cause like they only have body paint because the Westworld people put it on them. Yep. 
And then they became savage people. But before that, they were not. You know, yeah. they had their own peaceful society. And I think even the catch that said, like, I was kind of the quote unquote leader, but everyone was equal. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of lived peacefully and respected one another for our individual roles in the in the um, in the tribe. But the minute the West people people get the West world people got involved, they started creating them into different factions and yeah. and started casting them and then you know painted some literally as mm-hmm. savage people. So yep. you know, I, th- I think that's kind of an allegory to how we view um, like Native Americans, how we view mm-hmm. um, Native people is like we can we can kind of. Uh, kind of see them as the antagonist although they very much live much more peaceful much more harmonious Mm -hmm. lives than we do yeah and i think that's just the kind of western culture in terms of like western like cowboys quote-unquote cowboy kind of western but also just yeah kind of america's history as well so it's interesting they kind of sprinkle that stuff in there um yeah yeah, and it is cool. Like even in the behind the scenes, all the, all the basically the Ghost Nation actors and actresses referencing like this is a big deal for their people, um, right. for Native Americans that they could get this whole episode. And then the actor for Ketchita is like, oh, when I heard that I was gonna be the lead, you know, he he's is very like emotional and um, because he or either him or one of the other supporting actors was like, when one of us wins, we all win. So even in real life, they kind of had that equality mindset too. Um, right, right. And so that's, yeah, it was cool to see, again, just that they, they chose to give um, this whole episode and just the way they decided that. Because at this point, you know, Ghost Nation hasn't been super significant. Um, they've been around, but they, in some ways, could have just kept it that way, right? Sure, yeah. But is is a I, I appreciated the decision. To give them yeah. a voice, kind of like you were talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't mean to put you on the spot for like you know, casting them or whatever. Oh no, but, no, for sure, for sure. Um, I think that's what the writers are trying to put out there is like put that idea in the uh, the viewer's mind. Um, but maybe going back to Maeve finally, not yep. going back, but finally, you know, talking about Maeve and because she does get some screen time in this in this episode. Yeah. Um, what did you think about all of her scenes mm-hmm. and, you know, what what could come next? Yeah, I think th- this is one of those examples where, like, I think there's multiple, too, just throughout the seasons where I, I just have kind of one of those questions, like I was talking about earlier in terms of the writing, like, oh, these kind of unexplained things that they eventually come back around and explain. So this whole, um, like, w- during Shogun World, Maeve has this, like mind control ability where she doesn't even have to speak it. She just like thinks it into existence kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They explain it now where there's this mesh network that the hosts use when they like reboot just to get info and just kind of contextualize and, and yeah, to just get information from each other. And so mm-hmm. she's using that mesh network to reprogram and control the other hosts. So there's a very like scientific like logical explanation for her abilities at least wow like yeah. the the thing of what it is not necessarily like why she's able to do that but at least the action itself is explained 
So that, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, but yeah, is like yeah, I sort of referenced it earlier, but I just like how they overall reframed the whole narrative of like Maeve and her daughter versus Ghost Nation to being that mm-hmm. Akechita's looking out for her, for Maeve's daughter. Right. And then like like toward the end, um for me that was like a big another big unexpected thing when they swerve and like cause this whole the whole episode, Akechita's talking to Maeve's daughter and I was kinda like she she never actually says anything. Um, right. And I'm like, th- like I the assumption is that she understands what he's saying, but he's talking in Lakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like has a couple mm-hmm. of English lines, but he talks in Lakota, and I'm like, what, right. what if why, at the end she's that? like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, right. <laughs> it's like total troll. But yeah, then then it it, uh, it does that swerve to basically either either the whole time or at least at some point, um, he's actually talking to Maeve through her daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was yep. just like, oh, shoot. You know, like when, when they they explain the mesh thing just so that we can kind of get that point. Um, and I thought it was very powerful. Um, and kind of what we've been talking about for like this whole season, uh, like Maeve's quest to really save her daughter mm-hmm. is not directly by her, but is being fulfilled, you know. Because mm. the does says, you know, it's a couple of pretty... Emotional and powerful lines at the end where he's like, uh, we'll care for your daughter as if she's one of our own. And, mm. you know, if, you know, she, he tells Maeve, if you survive, come find us. But if you're going to die, mm-hmm. then die well. Like, don't worry about your daughter. We got it. So wow. I feel like she really gets that kind of closure of, around her daughter in terms of her sure. safety and her future. So I, I appreciated that. Uh, I, I enjoyed that whole scene, that whole process, and how that kind of played out. Um, yeah, well, I'm not sure what what you thought about the whole Maeve story arc in this one. Mm, deep thoughts, Dill. Deep thoughts. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I, I just I just think back to what you talked about last pod about um, you know Maeve being the one weapon that the humans have against Dolores. And so that I mean it's basically explained here now that um Charlotte and Lee are gonna try and use Maeve to to accomplish that, I think. Mm-hmm. Lee references it several times that Maeve is like the one way they can uh, you know, uh fight against Dolores. Mm-hmm. Um and going back to what you said about Akechita and Maeve kind of uh realizing things about one another and realizing that Maybe Maeve is learning more than Akechita that mm. people care about her and people care about her family and her daughter. Mm. And I wonder if Maeve is going to learn that same lesson that Akechita learned when he went to the cold storage, Ooh. that a victory for all is a victory, or, you know, a victory for all is like a victory for the individual. Mm-hmm. Um and that Maeve is not only going to fight for her daughter, but she's going to fight for, uh, you know, all those who are like downtrodden in yeah. Westworld, whether they're human or host, mm. you know, that's good. So it, it's like, 
I think Maeve, anyway, we, we contrast Maeve and Dolores because the way they're approaching like this re- host rebellion is just kind of taking different paths. And so mm-hmm. it kind of seems like I don't like I don't believe that Maeve will die because technically she's still I mean, she, she could she could like because mm-hmm. she's still on the operating table and, and stuff. And and the guy that kind of saved her that Lee took her to basically just wanted the code from her. And he seems very like doesn't really matter what happens to Maeve at this point. Right. So like I, I, don't, I don't think Maeve is actually going to die. Um, I think that'd be too much but maybe i'm just trying to protect my my heart but <laughs> yeah so but overall though it just seems like you know mave and the ghost nation are going to become like one side to this conflict mm. kind of so like mave mm-hmm. is not the individual anymore kind of like you were saying like she is learning that lesson and then mm-hmm. so they'll either like carry on the torch for kind of like her path like how that is represented by her pursuit of her daughter but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think she'll somehow make it out and rejoin them. But I just don't know how that's gonna happen right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, man, good stuff. Yeah, it's a really good episode. Yeah, definitely. Any um, other little tidbits or little Easter eggs you saw in this episode? Uh, I think one thing that I'll just probably be explained later is just when emily comes to get william or man in black yeah uh, i catch it as basically like nah we we gotta keep him because we want him to suffer basically because mm-hmm. he, he he's just done so much evil and so much bad to them that emily says yeah. that what she wants to do will hurt him even more right so i'm just like oh shoot like she's just saying that what she can do or or like does she actually have a plan where she's gonna actually do something to him Right. I don't know. So I think that's one of the things that will probably be answered in a future episode. But it's just kind of like a small tidbit in there where it's yeah. just like, oh, what what are her intentions? Because last episode, Emily just wasn't in it at all. After she got abandoned, mm-hmm. she's just like, goodbye. Um, right, right. So, yeah. So that, that's, that, that's one thing. Um, I don't know if you have any other kind of miscellaneous stuff. I'm curious about what they're going to do with the men in black right now because... Yeah. His story seems so far off from what's mm-hmm. going on between Maeve and Dolores. So I wonder how, you know, they're either going to really uh, elaborate on the Emily-William uh, dynamic or how the Emily-William dynamic is going to interact with the overarching story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just cur- curious about that. And then also curious, like, what is Emily trying to do? Like, mm-hmm. When she says, like, she's going to hurt him even more, like, is she talking about, like, emotional pain? Is she talking about, like, taking him out of Westworld, which is mm-hmm. probably the most painful thing for him because mm-hmm. he feels like his his life's mission is to be there and to, like, beat the game? Yeah. Or, like, is she actually talking about, like, physically hurting him? So, mm. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um yeah, but definitely, I think this episode is one of my top episodes in general. Yeah, I agree. Top three. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I would agree with that too. But cool, cool. We will see what happens next time. But for the time being, we got to close out the pod. So as always, we ask each other what's making us happy this week. So um, Joe, what's making you happy? 
Uh, what's making me happy this week? Well, I think we already talked a lot about, you know, Chinese New Year, um, you know, the great coffee experiences I had. And, um, you know, but one thing I didn't share is that we hadn't actually been in school for like four days, not including the weekend. Yeah. So this was the first day back in school after what feels like a second winter break. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what's making me happy is like okay. a return to normalcy. <laughs> mm. uh, although I would want to be sleeping in my bed and not waking up at like 630 but uh you know with um with what I do I work with a lot of legal timelines and work with a lot of things that can't be moved regardless of whether we have school or we don't mm. so um I'm glad to be back in the office and just you know put in work and just you know um just moving forward so mm-hmm. yeah yeah y'all y'all got hit by that polar vortex so that's right yeah, what was the temperature yeah. today? Do you know? Today it was like in the forties. Okay, so yeah, yeah, back to to just normal cold. Right on Thursday last week, we were like in the negative seventeens. Oh man, like teens. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- but, today, uh, t- today in Texas, it was like eighty. <laughs> dang. So, yeah, it's like is... straight summer up in here, or like spring, kind of whatever. Yeah, I mean, I want it to be warm, but not that warm. Yeah, it was a little too warm, but yeah, I enjoyed it, went outside and stuff. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, well, one of the things that making me happy, I just continue with that one, is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, today, you know, last episode, we talked a little bit about running and how I was trying to, I was supposed to be training for a 10K, you know, kind of thing. Yes. Um, so today, is super warm, like I just said, it was like 70, 70 to 80 so I yeah. actually went for a run today, and it was a pretty good good one. Um, not that nice. I have that many runs in general to base it off of. But, yeah, I, I, I ran, I mean, further than I have in the past, and I felt overall pretty good during it. Nice. Um, I mean, uh, afterward, I like, so it was one of those, like, immediately after, I felt pretty good. And then, like, maybe, like, an hour later, I was, like, so tired. <laughs> Um, so but before we started recording, I was just sitting there. I was like, I'm so tired. Um, yeah, but the run itself was good. And I think, cause I, I have one month until this 10 K and so, and I have, I basically have done no training. I've done like one run here and there. So oh, no. yeah, I'm like trying, you know, this one month I'm really trying to hit it. Not, not super hard, but just be consistent. Whatever happens is going to happen. Like, Sure. You know, if I have to walk most of it, so be it. Like I'm not, I'm not super like caught up in that. But you know, today because it's more positive than the last run I had. Last one I just kind of like I just ran out of gas and I just like quit. I just like, well, I'm gonna walk home now, just because I can't. But today was much better, so I nice. that's making me happy and gives me a little bit more motivation to run in the future too. I think. Um, yeah. Good. Yeah. So. Hey, well, hit me up on Strava, man. Get that app and. Oh, um, that's like a running app, right? Encourage each other. Yeah, running and biking. I think. Do you use that to track? Is that? Is that yeah, you mean? can. Yeah, you can use like if you have like a Fitbit, smartwatch, Apple Watch. Okay. I have a I have a phone, so I just 
I mean, we all have phones, but I have the SE, mm-hmm. so it's kind of small. I just put it in my pocket. Yeah, but if nice. you have like an Apple Watch, it'd be super convenient. You can record your data on there. Okay, yeah, I usually use Map My Run. It's an Under Armour um, app, but um, oh, okay, yeah. So I'm, I'll check out Strava. You know, I think the social aspect kind of helps with it too. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, my, my phone's like a little too big. I, I have to hold. I have to run with it in my hand, but I, I wish oh. it was a little smaller. Right. So, but you know. It can't all be perfect in the world. That's true. Yeah. Very cool. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what, what, what happened next? Um, Your move, Dilly. <laughs> all right, all right. Cool, cool. So thanks, as always, for pouring it over with me. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch y'all next week. This was the Pour Over Podcast. You can email us at pourovershow at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at pourover underscore show to stay up to date with the Pour Over game. Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at herecomesdaniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic, one word. Thanks for joining us and take care.